Hello, and welcome to Everything Remade, a podcast that I hope is about growth as much as it is about music. I'm Sean Decker, and I'd like you to hear something. You're hearing Finally Free, Straight Face, by Wes Meadows, which features my pal Wes Meadows doing all the things. You can hear it on the album Opened Up, which you can find on flowerpotrecords.bandcamp.com. I remember uh, being held by my great-grandma. I don't remember exactly why or anything, but... I, I remember that, and when I, I remember growing up and telling someone that I remember that, and they're like, that's borderline impossible. You were like three years old. So it really is just like, unless my brain was just like, I'm going to make that memory. I'm going to make up a memory just to mess with Wes. <laughs> like, I think... But uh, <clears throat> that's the, the oldest one I think I remember. Yeah, I mean, I think either thing is possible, and that doesn't make it in a weird way... I, I don't think that makes it any less real, even if, if it was something that you, like, gave yourself later, you know? Yeah, maybe just I had a really convincing dream about being three when I was, like, eight years old or something, and it's just been, like, working through my brain so long that it's canon now or something. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Do you have, like, any scent memory attached to that or any... any, any no. No, just... Okay. Just, like, some sometimes, you know, I don't know... Um, this doesn't have anything to do with my earliest childhood memory, but it's definitely, there's a, like, sometimes I go into a hotel, like when I'm delivering, I'm like going to drop the stuff at the room or whatever. And, um, there's a smell there in like when a hotel is fairly new, that's, it's, it's really quite specific because it's not every hotel. It's, it's not all the time or whatever. But there's something there that's like reminds me of when I was like eight or nine or something and I visit my grandparents in Florida and like the way their like condo hallway smelled. And it's really huh. wild. Like it's, it's, I, it's wild. I'm, I'm doing this shitty job for these shitty companies or whatever and I go into this hotel and I just I feel great for like five minutes you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> and there's like nothing else to that other than this this scent that just brings back you know that memory but um yeah I, I think love that's, that kind of stuff yeah I think that's really sweet that that memory you had hopefully you had a good relationship uh with with your grandmother um later on that you can remember Yes, no. I mean, uh, no, no, I actually, I, I don't remember, because um, she was, like, real old when I was oh, born. Oh, okay, I'm so, sorry. Like, I, I mean, it's okay. I don't really have, like, you know, enough of memories of her to, like, feel sad about it, really. You know, like, I just have, like, the one memory of, like, my parents being like, yeah, hold the baby or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, then, I mean, that's that seems even more precious then. Um, yeah, didn't know a thing about her. <laughs> right, that she liked me, I guess. Right, presumably. And um, like you live in Ohio now. Have you always lived in Ohio, or did you did you move around a bit? Yeah, I've always lived in Ohio. Um, I moved, I moved around a bunch uh, as a kid. Uh, my my dad uh, lived in a bunch of different places, generally around the Cleveland area, and then. Um, when I went to college, I moved to Columbus and went to Capital University for recording technology. And um, I stayed there for four years. Had a really nice time living there. And I, I go back very occasionally. Like every couple of weeks, I try and find a reason to go down to Columbus. But I've usually lived somewhere between Cleveland and Columbus, like northern Ohio. 
Right. Where where exactly do you live now? What's the name of the town? I live in Berea. It's a little bit uh, southwest of Cleveland by, you know, like 15, 20 minutes. Okay. And because you, because like you're in Ilaria often enough or, or used to be anyway. So it's, is it really close to that then? No. Um, no. <laughs> Ilaria is like a good 30, 35 minutes away from where I'm at. Okay. So you're just like in a different, like, section of close closeness to cleveland like yeah yeah um, i'm i'm not close i'm not like near lakewood i'm not near Illyria. i'm not near like a bunch of things it's like i'm the little like extra suburb that's tacked on at the bottom and unless you zoom in like real far on the map you don't even see us right so you describe it as a suburb but um like how small would you say the town is like is it is it like a one grocery store kind of town or is it more like um develop like how i don't know how you know what i mean i don't know how to ask yeah yeah i know exactly <laughs> what you mean we actually yeah. have uh two grocery stores okay we've got a giant eagle and a marks which um honestly i think is kind of overkill we also had three burger kings for a while and two of them went out of business so i guess that they caught on faster than the gas stations and the uh the grocery stores have but we have 18,000 people in Berea, and I never really thought it was that small because there are a bunch of things surrounding Berea, and it doesn't seem like a tiny, isolated community. But I remember watching Twin Peaks a while back and seeing the population is like 50,000 in Twin Peaks. And everyone, all everyone does that's not from Twin Peaks in that show is talk about how small that town is. It's like, damn, that town is like three times the size of my town. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I don't remember what Lafayette's is like or, uh, offhand, but I want to say it was something like 75,000. Damn. Is, which is not, it, and it's like, it's, I I got it. I must be wrong about that, but like I I did look it up not that long ago. But the number, whatever it was, it seemed very low to me because I know that Purdue has like a ridiculous amount of kids that come in. Now Purdue is in West Lafayette, which is technically a different city, so it doesn't apply to our like population or whatever. It's just I remember seeing the number and just thinking, shit, like half that half that number of people come into Purdue every year. Like, are we really, Lafayette's really that small? And it's even, like, compounded to that is how, like, spread out Lafayette is. Like, you can, like, where I used to live, where, you know, where you were that one time when when we met. um, Yeah. Where I used to live is like a full, like nearly twenty-minute drive from where I live now, and not, I'm not talking Chicago. Like, I'm talking no traffic. Like, it's twenty minutes to get there, and it's like that. It's still the same town. Like, and it's <laughs> Damn, like, that's, yeah, that's I mean, weird. It's, yeah, it's really big. It's really spread out, and um, and there's just not not a ton of people. Like, um, so yeah, I'm always interested in like. You know, how other, like, you know, you're like, oh, I always find an excuse to go down to Columbus, like, thinking like, excuse me, like, yeah, that's how I would be if I, if I moved somewhere where, like, the cool stuff that I wasn't into wasn't, like, readily available to me, you know, or whatever, like, Lafayette just, like, borders on that at at times, you know, I think, like, (laughs) I think, like, now it's, like, it's better because you can, you know, you can get like vegan food and stuff. But it's like until like a few years ago, like Lafayette was really kind of was like, if you wanted to like try a new vegan restaurant or whatever, it was like guarantee you it was in Indianapolis, you know. So yeah, I don't know. but um, <clears throat> so is it like really um, cheap to live there? Like, what exactly like had you like this is where I want to live? Um, it's not, it's not super cheap. Um, I mean, it's not like outrageously cheap. Like everyone always talks about, oh, you know, East Cleveland's so cheap, buy a house for the price of a VCR, I think is what the, uh, the funny video says. But, um, it's really, it's not like that inexpensive where I live. Cause it's like a full 20 minutes away from there. 
And I think a lot of the suburbs around us put a lot of effort into, like, looking richer than they are. But Berea just is sort of, like, it's modest. We uh, had, you know, a big quarry system for a long time, and now it's a bunch of lakes. And uh, we mined uh, sandstone out of it. We were the grindstone capital of America, you know, for all that's worth. But, you know, we have a lot of trains and a lot of highways that were built near us to export that stuff out. But we we usually, like, a lot of the houses are designed for, like, you know, a dude to marry his wife and have 2.5 kids. Like, every house is pretty, like, similarly made. So it's very much like a town that used to be a town of workers, and now it's, like, a college town. But, like... Not in the sense that like Columbus or Indianapolis is a college town. More like what I assume Lafayette is. Like you don't, you know, see a bunch of like wow, wild, crazy parties, bro, on this <laughs> campus. This isn't like when you go down, like probably uh, when you played with uh, Jerome's Dream down in Columbus. Like um, you were just passing people that were on their front porches playing beer pong, like every like three or four houses, like. It's it's not a party atmosphere like Columbus is. Yeah. Kind of like going to Columbus for that reason sometimes, though. But if I'm not going for the reason of like going to a silly party and getting fucked up, Columbus is supremely annoying because of how many random drunk people are just like everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> West Lafayette can definitely be like you described with the uh, with the with the parties and stuff. It it and um, yeah, I mean it's really not. Like, especially from where I used to live, you know, I would get over on campus in like five minutes. I could probably actually still get on campus in five minutes. It's in a weird way. I'm just as close to campus as I was before. It's just like there's there's a highway like right behind my house that goes like straight there. And so so like campus was like the top of the triangle and where I lived before was one side of the triangle and where I live now is like the third side of the triangle. So it's kind of, you know, that, that much is like not changed, but I mean, I don't, I don't know. I haven't been a party kind of person in a very long time, but I still, I still do think it's wild when I go over there and it's like, um, 11 a.m. or whatever and I'm delivering food and like people are wasted on a slip and slide down down a huge hill in front of a frat you know I'm just like okay Um, it's beautiful to see I can't I can't party like that either I'm just like you live you live live for us both um (laughs) (laughs) yeah but yeah I can't imagine like we're just waking up and immediately just like starting to pound alcohol. This sounds terrifying. Yeah, I mean, I think I probably did it a couple of times in college, but I'm very glad that I do not do that now. I will say this much is that I have been on tour with in Europe with Katie two times. So I am very familiar with people waking up and pounding alcohol. <laughs> and uh, That's all I'll say about that. But I mean, to be, <laughs> To be the observer of that is, I mean, I'm not going to say it's more fun because I'm sure they're having a blast, but it's very fun. Um, it is really fun to just watch someone just absolutely possess you try and navigate things like a small child. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing, like, <laughs> what people can do when they put their mind to it. And uh, that that goes across lots of spectrums. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, do you like, do you stay there because like you're, you're in love with the town or does it like, is there something specific about that area that like provides you with the kind of like atmosphere or environment that you need to like facilitate all the things you do, like all your music like all your projects and, and like your home studio and like, is there something specific about that area or is it just like you could do that anywhere and this is as good a place as any? Well, I mean, a lot of houses in Lakewood where most people like settle after they come back from college or whatever, um, 
it's a lot of duplexes and apartments. And I knew that if I was going to get a place, I couldn't, I couldn't have that. I'd need to make sure that I was able to be recording, you know, reasonably early or reasonably late sometimes. So I was really looking for just a tiny house in a quiet neighborhood. And my house is made of brick and it's got a finished basement and it's exactly what I needed. And uh, specifically, I like living in Berea because of just a huge chunk of nostalgia, mostly at this point. I can admit that to myself. Sure. It's not the world's best town. Uh, like I said, it's not super cheap. The only reason I'm living in my house and owning my house is because some lady died here and it was like a, uh, like $50,000 cheaper than anything else in the area. And um, I couldn't get a loan from the bank because, like, I mean, I, I do what I do. I had to give all of the money to my mom to take a loan to the bank to buy the house and then sell it to me for a dollar. Like, it's it's an outrageous privileged thing that I even own my house to begin with. So I try to, you know, keep it open for other people that uh, don't have, like, you know, steady income or, you know, living places a lot of my friends that have lived here have lived here for quite a while, and now they have you know savings accounts and cars and stuff. So I'm, I just try to, you know, use my nice house in a quiet neighborhood the best way I can. But the 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 reason I want to live here is really. Have you ever heard of um, Berea Fest? No, I haven't. Uh, Berea Fest was a thing that happened every year between. Like 2005 and 2011, I think. Okay. And uh, the Iobecks uh, from Delay and Pat Cran from Shout Out Loud Prince were the primary people setting it up. Um, a lot of bands that you know, um, uh, Paul Baraboo, St. Seneca, um, Good Luck headlined like the second night every, every time. Um, okay. This was across the street from my high school where this was and it was just a diy show that like 600 kids would come to and it was five dollars each day and it was a huge thing and like a lot of bands that went on to be like way bigger like uh like lemuria and algernon cadwallader snowing a lot of bands that are still together today like signals midwest and uh like i said delay um they got their their get goings there, and uh, my band, my um, my high school ska band that ended up lasting like ten years and having like four albums all over the place. We played a Berea Fest, and it was a big deal for me. And uh, it fostered a large punk scene around here. The time that I was in middle school and high school, it was like the cool thing to be in marching band, to be on the school newspaper, to be in the book club, to you know, play shows in your mom's garage. Like, it was, like, cool to do DIY stuff in Berea. And the teachers noticed, and they facilitated it. There were full-on, there were days in high school, there would be arts days. And they would, you know, chunk up a bunch of students. Like, you get to go to the auditorium and see the metalcore band play. Like, this group of students goes and, like, learns a cool art thing from an artist we got from the CIA, Cleveland Institute of Art to be you know right thank you but, for um, specifying that because i was yeah, very confused yeah. for a moment as soon as i said that i was like this person's not from cleveland they're gonna need some explanation and so is yeah. most of the other people that are going to be listening to yeah this. exactly yeah the cleveland institute of art okay which is <laughs> very different an artist the from the cia in most people's minds we're gonna teach you how to um interrogate people and uh yeah the art of interrogation yeah the uh, art of secrecy, but yeah. no, um, it was a really cool learning experience, uh, and it was a great place to grow up and to experience that. As far as I know, there aren't many bands that are playing in the high school anymore, but I usually find one. I usually find a couple at the Music College, Baldwin Wallace, that is in our um, little tiny town. Um, that's how I find a lot of people that I sign for Flower Pot because, like. A lot of people come here and they expect it to be a fun college town, and it turns out you got to go a couple of towns over for that. And 
they just you know they play their music and they do their quiet thing and they graduate and they move away but like sometimes i'll catch the bands and be like hey you know this is actually a great place to be gigging like you know you could play my house you could go up to cleveland you could go out to illyria and i get a bunch of bands that like you know probably otherwise would have only played like their buddies dorm rooms or something and get them out there and get them going and you know check their demo and stuff so that's it's a good inspiration for me like every time that happens it's like wow i remember um that i've well now i've been recording bands for 15 years and i've been out of high school for 10 years and i'm sure you can relate to that weird feeling of like i've been doing this like half my life and also just you know there's there's a kind of bitterness that comes in the like when i think about like i've been doing this for half my life and like i drop a song and it gets like 100 plays like still but <laughs> <laughs> um it, i you know i gotta remember that i do this because i like it more than anything else and um you know i'm proud of the things that i make and i'm proud of the things that my friends make yeah i think and, i discovered the trick for me is to not look at how many plays so yeah <laughs> then i've tried to stop looking at my band camp stats yeah like I'll get an email if something sells. Like, it's oh. useless to sit there and watch right. the plays go up one, two, three, four, like, all day. Yeah, I mean, you do you, like, to anybody, you know, that's listening, like, you do you. If you want to, like, if that stokes you, if, if that, whatever. But for me personally, it was just, like, I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to look at this anymore. Like, um you like, played the stats game hard for years, yeah. and then I like stopped doing it this year, and I didn't really see a difference in the amount of sales I was making. So like, it doesn't really matter if I pay attention to Bandcamp all day. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not like a, really a thing for sales or whatever for me. But I just started. I feel like I was taking it personally for some reason because I, I'm like, I know like way more people than this <laughs> and they just don't yeah. care like to listen you know but um to be fair facebook has eternally squashed us i think you and i both have a lot of friends on facebook specifically and like facebook will show a new thing that we've done to like 30 out of the 3,000 people that we connected to Like I, I tried to look at it from another angle as well, of course, which is like there are lots of people that I do not know and will never know that actually own a piece of something that I've helped create and listen to it probably way more than I will ever know, you know? So like That's true. Um, that it's it's just there's a lot of perspective that goes into it. But I feel like, you know, just overall speaking that I have generally um fared better when i didn't worry about stuff like that as much and i just like worried about the work which is you know enough to worry about really yeah Um, honestly i mean running the record label like and playing in a bunch of different bands like it's it's more than enough as it is without painstakingly like agonizing over how few plays something gets yeah or i mean yeah 
uh, or, or like, you know, um, or like inversely, like how somebody else did manage something, you know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, I think that a lot of people fall into that trap, which is like seeing one group of people or, or one person like succeeding, uh, or in their eyes succeeding like out of nowhere and, and just like, well, how did they do it? You know? And it's like, I don't know, you know, um, I'm not talking. I mean, for about... a bunch of bands is being funny on Twitter. It's looking like, like <laughs> maybe like Eve six has completely reinvented themselves 30 years at 25 years after the fact they've been an active band really? just by being funny on Twitter. Um, I know home is where, uh, they're way more popular on Twitter than any other social media platform. And it's because they're funny. And I know that that's gotten a lot of their plays just specifically like goofing around on Twitter. And that's, there's some, there's people from the band guilt in that band, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I like, I just, at the very least, I'm not sure if any other people overlap. Yeah. I, I just don't listen to guilt as much as I should. I just figured, I just like found out that she was in that band um, like, you know, two days ago, maybe I was like, what, you're in that band too? Um, oh, yeah. cause yeah, I've been hearing that band's name so much. And, and I keep just, when I go to actually be on a computer and I'm like, I want to check out this, some of this stuff I've been missing. I, I keep forgetting to check it out, but I'll have to remind myself. Um, but yeah, um, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned all over the place. That was one of the bands that I couldn't remember. Uh, you you being from that I know of. That is because I'm sure there's plenty that I don't know of. But no, like dozens. Um, just like in the last like couple years, it seems like that I've you know um, been aware of you, know you, or, or whatever. Like I've just seen like. Okay, here's this project, here's this project. And um, it seems like what you generally do is like you you say, I, I want a thing that, that does this thing. And so you create a project like for that. Is that fairly accurate? Like, yeah, you sort of very aim. much so. Okay. And um, so like... You know, I've talked about this before about how like that's very that's like such a good creative exercise, even if it's more than an exercise. Because I mean, of course it is. Um, but like, usually, but like, yeah, I mean, even if even if it wasn't, even if you're just like, at, if if you're kind of hitting a block with like your main thing or or one of your main things or whatever, then you're just like. Oh, I'm gonna. Okay, so I'm gonna try to do like a a psycho Billy band or what? You know, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, but like, is that did that factor into you starting all these different things, or are you just like around your house jamming something in particular and be like, well, shit, why don't I have a band that sounds like this? Um, it's a good like fifty fifty, honestly. Uh, I know. Um, I hope so. It was specifically like I really like emo music. Most of the albums that I buy, like most of the the nostalgia shit I listen to from high school, is stuff that was on like you know your label or count the count your lucky stars or like there's a bunch of like emo and hardcore that like I've listened to for a really long time and I was like I've never done a band like that. So I started doing emo just because I was like, you know what? Emo looks fun. I'm going to do that. Because it was uh it was quarantine and a lot of a lot of these projects have just come because like I have a studio in my basement. I can play guitar, bass, drums and sing. And uh I like a, di- a bunch of different music. And for the middleman comp that I was on that summer, um Not Grave Neighbors, Sorted States. Mm-hmm. Um I tried to write like a harder emo song and realized that it would not fit with that project at all. So I started another emo band called In Shambles that like does like, you know, Mohinder worship, like right. taking 
you know, California, 1994, and distilling it down to like a minute and a half at a time. And uh, so, you know, sometimes a project will start out like, oh, and this is this might be what I want to do with this project. And I'll start doing the project and realize, oh, but actually, this should be two different projects. And I end up just multiplying and multiplying. And most of that that's happened during quarantine was because of an EP race that I entered. Uh, the, the It was a race. You had two months to record, write, record, mix, and master, make artwork for, and upload to Bandcamp as many EPs as you possibly could. Minimum of five minutes and minimum of four songs, but there is no maximum. Okay. But you can't do more than two EPs with the same project. So in that two months, I started like 10 bands. That's the reason for In Shambles. That's the reason for I Hope So. Um, my synth pop project, I Killed Laura Palmer, that's based on Twin Peaks. Um, a ska band called Soda Jerks that I'm probably not going to ever do anything with again because I just made ska because I thought it was funny. And it turns out that like I'm not really that good at making it. Like I tried to make fun ska and it just was like boring ska. And it was like, damn. So I'm probably not going to do more of that unless I can really get into the mood and like write ska because like I like it and it's fun, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I keep saying that I'm gonna just pop a ska project out one of these days, and I, I mean, I probably will, but uh, I do don't you know. play horns? No, I mean, I I can play trumpet, like I can make it do what I need it to do. I can't play it, but like. I can figure out the sound that I'm trying to get it to make and make it make the sound. Like, <laughs> so, like, yeah, that's that's where we're at with that. I mean, I've done it before. I played trumpet on a Coma Regalia song on a uh, The Longer We Stray From The Light song. Um, it does what it needs to do. But, um, yeah, I, uh, yeah I, I mean, you know, I remember, like, I, I was in – you know, I was in like high school when Scott really like blew up. So like, I remember when it was a lot of fun. You know, and that's that's something that I. Um, none of the music that I play <laughs> is ever like it's like not fun. You know, but a lot of the music when I want to just listen to music, I'm either like I want to listen to something that makes me like a little more feel a little more relaxed, or I want to listen to something that's like just really fun. You know, and um, so yeah. so I listened to like a lot of uh, designing a nervous breakdown by the anniversary, you know, or something like nice, yeah, nice. which is just like oh, get the wee woo wee woo sense in there, yeah, you the just high and low vocals, put that on, and you're just like, this is so fun, but um, yeah, um, so what yeah, about, uh, mild flowers, I'd say mild flowers is the closest to fun, uh, yeah, you get. yeah, that's pretty fun. I actually, yeah, I. Uh, you know, I got I gotta take that back. That's a lot of fun. Even though the lyrics are, the lyrics are not that fun. You know, because <laughs> the lyrics yeah. are definitely um, the lyrics are definitely about like you know a betrayal of fin- friendship and stuff like that. And so it's like, eh. but um, I mean musical musical wise, I mean, yeah, I mean like compared to like Come Regalia or something. Oh, it was definitely this very is practically happy, very fun to sing. I mean, I was, I don't usually like. I usually have little dances and stuff when I'm recording, so um, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, um, so you, so a lot of those projects were like you're in this like EP race. Now I've never done anything like that, and I think um, like that's really awesome. But like one year I did challenge myself. I'm like I'm gonna re- write and record a hundred songs this year, and I found out that that was way easier than I thought it was gonna be. But um, but like. Um, like, what do you like? What did you take away from that experience? As far as like, um, did you did you find yourself like getting tired of it, or did you did the did the fact that it was like a challenge, a competition, like continuously keep you going? Or yeah, I kind of just made it my goal to make like one a week because. From the start, like, there were a lot of people that dropped, like, two or three at the beginning and then, like, just stopped. And I figured, like, that they had run out of ideas or something. But then one of them, 
I can't remember their name. I'm going to have to look it up. And one of these dudes that had dropped like three or four EPs, and I was sitting at like eight or nine at that point, um, he dropped seven in one day on the very last day of the contest. Oh. And they were all really, really well done and really, really well written. And it was just like, damn, dude, you win. I can't even, like, that's that's amazing. Like, good job. So, so it, th- was that like the, the, the album drop, the EP drop equivalent of like getting like, getting that um late night ebay bid like right before like is that yeah do you, do you really think it was like, just he, like he like really scraped in there the last minute and i was like damn i cannot even be mad because this is so impressive yeah yeah that's wild but after that i really just uh i thought about like well some of these were fun why don't I uh, why don't I do some more with uh, a couple of these? So I did a couple more in shambles songs, and then when I put the album out, a lot of people really liked it, and I've had a couple of people ask me to do splits. So I think I'm gonna do another batch of those songs. I'm gonna do a couple of splits next year with that. Um, I hope so. Obviously, really took off. I, I made up my goal with that to like after the first EP the next round of songs, the next round of five songs would all be on different compilations. So, you know, obviously I did the middle band one. I did a quiet year one. I did, um, God, what all did I do? I did a lot. Um, it was on alien heart records. One, I self-released one on that nightmare of a seven inch split. And, um, Oh yeah. I left one as a bonus track for when I did the, uh, the tapes later, but, I'm going to do a full length for that band. That's the next thing. I'm going to write and record a full length for I Hope So. Awesome. Now, I really enjoy that band. There's there's tons of projects to talk about if we want to get into the minutia. We can. But the next thing I wanted to ask you about was, um, I believe it was Glassbiter was the one where you commissioned like tons of different people to do vocals. Yes. Okay, so I recently actually did that as well. I had a thing. It was 28 tracks, so I had, you know, I had lots of different vocals, uh, vocalists that I had that I had hit up, and you know, and uh, that went through many different things. Most most everybody that I hit up um, ended up. Um, uh, everything ended up working out well. You know, a couple times it was. A couple times it was a sort of, I sort of got ghosted, which was, you know, um, I'd, I'd prefer, of course, to just be told that it's not going to work out, you know, and then yeah. it doesn't work out, then ghosted. But I also understand that, like, some some people just have problems, like, you know, saying that they couldn't work it out or whatever. Um, but, um, like, how much of that, did you, and I mean, you know, like, I'm, of course, not asking you to be specific and stuff, because I don't want people to, oh, I'm gonna you know. I'm, uh, here to, I'm here to title on the whole scene. That's also. These are all of the people that let down West. <laughs> that's also your prerogative, you know, but I'm saying <laughs> I'm not asking for that specifically. Like, I'm not starting to, trying to start trouble. I just want to hear about your experience and, like, um, you know, let people, just, like, let people in on a little bit of how, like, you know, it seems like sometimes I think people might think that this is a very easy thing to do when it's actually quite not. Um, so, like, how, you know, what was your experience like with that project? And, um, you know, um, how many people would you say that you had hoped to work with actually ended up being a part of the project versus how many, you know, you sort of had to, um, improvise and, and find other ways to, to finish it. Yeah. There were, uh, there were a couple of vocalists that like waited to the last minute, but then got their stuff through. But there were a couple of people that like the day before the album was set to drop still hadn't sent me things. So I called up my like auxiliary list of like people that are in my band that like, you know, are very easy to ask for things. So it's like, hey, the person who is supposed to do theremin for a track couldn't do it. Anyone in this group chat play theremin and want to play theremin on a track tonight? 
and you know one of my friends did it and uh we filled in the vocal tracks with uh a couple of members of other local bands that were just like yeah sure fuck it i'll come over and just you know do some random screaming but um a couple of the people that were unable to make it on this album specifically reached out beforehand and were like god you know this is a really great idea and i know i said i could do it but i freaking can't so i hope we're chill and i said yeah of course we're chill and uh a couple other people reached out like they're just playing bad at answering their messages. And like, I asked them at the beginning of the month and at the end of the month when the album was already done, because I work really fast. Sometimes they messaged me back like, yeah, sure. Send me a track. It's like, Oh, but the album's already out. So I'm going to do another batch of like five songs of that. Just because, uh, it's, it's not even like songwriting to me. It's about when you get that weird into metal, it's about like, I'm going to write a slick riff and then, I'm going to write another slick riff that has nothing to do with that first riff. And like, (laughs) I learned that from uh, those early Jerome's dream records of just like different parts, just like slamming into each other, practically grating with how quickly the song just changes completely. And then I added like slide guitar and really grating synths to it. And I was like, this is probably what cyber grind is. I listened to a thought crime song once. This is probably what Cybergrind is, right? <laughs> and uh, turns out that I was pretty close. I was pretty close. A couple people that actually make Cybergrind were like, this is no bubblegum octopus, but like you're getting there. So I'm, you know, I'm happy with it. I, uh, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll do a few more songs for the people who are like, oh, shoot, really wanted to do that, but I missed the deadline. But it's not going to be like, I'm never going to play that stuff live. I can't. Every single thing, every single chord is like, three different guitars tracked on top of each other to make the most disgusting sound I can think of. <laughs> like the idea of like finding a drummer who could even play blast beats that fast. Cause I intentionally like made them like, I see drummers boasting about like, yeah, I put my blast beats probably like two thirty, two thirty five, two forty on a good day. So my ass was like, this song's two sixty BPM. I want humans to have a hard time playing this. So I kind of made it intentionally like this is a studio project never could be anything else unless i wanted to bring 10 vocalists and three drummers on tour with me If I had finally received all the um, vocals from the project that I was working on, um, I, you know, after loading the final ones in and I just started listening to it, um, and, um, like, I just, I was like, oh, this was so much fun, like, to write and to record, and now I'm hearing all my friends, like, I mean, people that I've known since I was like a teenager to people that I just really became close with over the last year or whatever, you know, and I'm just like over, I was like a bit overwhelmed, you know, and I was just like, oh, I I know what I want to do. I want to put on my headphones and I'm going to play, play drums along with this, you know, and so I did and I was like, (laughs) oh my God, this is so fun. And, and, uh, I just joked like to one of the uh, people who did vocals on it, and I was like, but what if it was a fest and everybody who played on this band played, but also 
we did this whole album at the end and everybody just came up and tore it up and they were like, book it, book it now. <laughs> and that sounds uh, awesome. it would, it would be wild. Like it would be wild. It would, but I don't know how to like, I'm not, I don't want to like overshoot myself here, but there's a band that's on the, the, the whose vocalist is on this that like, I could not possibly book a show at a place that's big enough to have this <laughs> band play on it. Like yeah. this band plays big places. Like so like that it really would be a wild like fest. It'd be like there'd be the headliner and then and then like there'd be a headliner for like each day or whatever if it was like two days and then like there'd be a secret set by a band who I couldn't even let people know was going to play because it would be absurd how many people would come. But, yeah. um, but yeah, that's, that's going to be fun when that's out. But yeah, I mean, um, I, you know, as long as these things take and everything sometimes, I mean, I just think it's, it's so much fun and we're really lucky to be in like the time we're living now where we can do this, you know? Yeah. Like it's really awesome. Um, yeah. Um, so like you've mentioned, uh, flower pot records a couple of times and you, and you kind of seemed like the impetus for that, at least maybe not in the beginning, but like one of your main things now is like, you're, you see like a band play or you hear a band from like your area that you're kind of like, nobody's going to hear this unless somebody puts a little coal on their fire or whatever, you know, like, um, yeah. So like, did the label, was that always the motivation for the label or was it just like, was it a place for you to put your own music or a little bit of both or? It was originally like for maybe a couple of months, just a place where I would put my own music. Cause I've kind of been recording, releasing at this breakneck pace since I was about 15, 16. I, uh, all over the place, this album and my second solo album and an album that I did with a friend were all coming out around the same time. And I was just like, you know, I bet it would look a lot more professional if there was just like a thing that just said, you know, all of these people work together or something. Because I was a real big fan of Neutral Milk Hotel and, like, the Elephant Six stuff. I was a real big fan of Streetlight Manifesto and the Risk group that they made to, uh, you know, outlive their old record label and stuff. So I really wanted to do that just, you know, there's not, like, no one's ever signed anything. No one's, like, obligated really to do anything for Flower Pot. It's just sort of like, you're my friend. You want to do a thing? Awesome. Let's do a thing. And, like, I've just sort of been doing that for god a really long time now but there are a lot of bands that are my friends that i honestly think are just like the best bands in the world and uh you know it's probably something to do with the fact that i love the people that are in the bands and stuff but from you know sophomore year of high school onward it was just like i've got a box of cds i got ones from you know you know that girl from choir she wrote a piano ep and that's in there you know I did an instrumental record with one of my friends in French class. That's in there. And just, you know, just making stuff. Making stuff all the time with my friends and then just, like, selling CDs for, like, a dollar from a box and just trying to make lunch money. And uh, then I went to college and I took business classes and recording classes, learned what EQ and compression and delay and reverb do, and uh, just, you know continue to do the same thing with more knowledge and better equipment. And, you know, I've just been chugging along. But it really did start with just noticing how many of my friends, like, went to Berea Fest and then started a band and, like, just were, like, playing a little circuit of, like, you know, one of the clubs in Lakewood and, like, you know, their parents' garage and stuff. And it was like, there needs to be a little... There, ne there doesn't need to be any more professionalism to this, but there needs to look like there is so that people get more interested. 
because, you know, and this is the third uh, ska reference, because I was really into ska as a teenager. Um, I know that Sublime, quote-unquote, started Skunk Records just so they uh, they weren't calling, like, hey, we're a ska band called Sublime to the bars. Like, they were calling, like, well, I'm a representative of Skunk Records, referring to my client ex-band. <laughs> like, yeah, so, the, and, uh, so I just wanted it to look and sound a little professional, but not actually be professional at all. Just so people would be like, wow, this band's got a label, huh? That's impressive. Not like, you're not completely glossing over the fact that the label like self burned 30 CDRs and wrote the album title in Sharpie on them and folded them into a piece of paper at their mom's house. Like a label's a label. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I've told the story many times, but it's, you know, that's the that's the way it happened with me too. It's like, you know, it was just like, hey, it'll look better if we, you know, and it wasn't my idea like any of the times either. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, but I but I am I am the one that uh, you know decided to keep going with it. So, it's, um, and uh, you know, not not that I'm like saying I. Not saying I don't enjoy it. It's just, uh, it's funny how that works out. Um, but yeah, one other thing I was going to uh, ask is, uh, so, so, there's, so there's this other label that you've um, put some, some of your band's releases out, Sadnap. Is that also yeah. your label or is that a friend's label? Sadnap is a collective. Everyone that is in the band, the You Suck Flying Circus, is allowed to release on Sadnap Records. Okay. They all share the login and they all contribute to the releases. Because okay. um, I, I was just sort like... of the, the hey, why the hell not label? Because Flower right. Pot, you know, tries to have a little bit of, I don't know, decorum might not be the right word, but like I know that if I started putting all my noise and grindcore records on Flower Pot, it wouldn't get the same traction. Okay. And it, uh, you know, we might get known as a label that really can do anything, but we might get known as the label who, like, I don't know, man, sometimes their stuff is really half-assed, gross-sounding. Yeah, you know? it's, it's hard to say what people would, you know, make of that. Um, I was just curious because, like, yeah, I was like, did you start Did you start up so many bands that you're just like, I don't want these all on the same label or, and, and it kind of, yeah. it kind of sounds like that's sort of what it amounted to. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, that takes me back to what I was going to say before I, um, went off there is, um, you also release music as West Meadows. So what is like, what is, a determining factor of whether you are like gonna release something as like okay this is west meadows or a different project where you basically do most of the instruments and everything anyway like what is there a thing to when you're when you're writing how where you're like you decide beforehand or do things sort of slot into place afterwards? And if in either of those cases, what makes you say these are West Meadow songs and the, the other things are other things? Well, uh, it's actually, it's incredibly specific. It gets kind of ridiculous. Um, West Meadows is the easiest one. Just West Meadows, anything that says West Meadows on it, there is no other accompaniment. There is another. I I wrote, recorded, mixed, mastered, made the artwork, everything. A West Meadows record is one hundred percent completely solo. Nobody else touched it at any point. Oh, okay. And anything outside of that generally falls under the umbrella of the Usar Flying Circus. If it's mostly a me song, and someone happened to add a thing, it's probably the Usar Flying Circus. Unless it's a couple of specific people that add a certain thing, because those people and I have other bands together. You know, like, if I write a song and then uh, my friend Willow puts something on top of it, it could be the Use of Flying Circus. But we also have an instrumental slowcore project called the Empty Atrium that we're working on. And it could, you know, 
it just divides up so many times. Like it's a little flow chart. Like, does it include this? Does it have this person on it? Is it released on this label? Oh, well, if so, that means it's a use of flying circus song and things get divided down and parsed out so ridiculously that I'm honestly <laughs> kind of getting tired of it. And I know 100%, I know that it's hard to follow. Yeah. And I see people being like, okay, so in shambles had Willow in it. Yeah, and in Shambles had John, too, both from the Usuck Flying Circus. Why wasn't that a Usuck Flying Circus record? Because it has more octave chords and more singing than I would want on a Usuck Flying Circus album. Like, the Usuck Flying Circus songs that are fast and hard ended up with minimal screaming, but, like, a bunch of blast beats and guitars and stuff. So they seemed more, you know, and I wrote them with a specific group of people in mind to perform them live. So it's really, it's kind of outrageous. But <laughs> Yeah, it's like kind of the opposite of what I'm doing, which is like um, I have one project called De Facto and Scripture, which is like I've decided at this point that when I have just like a bunch of people that aren't obligated to collaborate on anything else whatsoever ever again unless they'd like to, then that'll be the de facto in scripture. And then like Matterfield, which is just like, okay, that's me and my partner. And when we do anything that would have been on Epitaph or Lookout Records, that'll be Matterfield. <laughs> and then like the Hope Hereafter, which is like, okay, if if anyone who's ever been in Texas is the reason or Jawbreaker ever wrote songs like or 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 the the promise ring, then that'll be, you know, um, the hope hereafter. It's like, because I actually was like the, the very first time when I started to write like a second thing for that project, I was like, this doesn't sound like it anymore, but I don't want to change the name. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't want to come up with another name. I'm like, so I'll just keep, I'll just keep going down this road. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, initially, Coma Regalia was was supposed to be a lot less uh, aimed than than what it was, and and then, like, I started making all these other projects, so I didn't have to like scratch these various itches with one um, project. So uh, that's kind of like a very a much less specific thing of how whereas your tree just keeps branching off. I'm just like, I've got these branches, and I'm like, well, any whatever it is, it's gonna fit on that branch. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's um, it's a, uh, it's really interesting. I mean, it's just like, um, at this point, it's like deciding whether, like, well, I want my, I want the the discography to have lots of band names or lots of the same bands with d lots of albums you know like but it's <laughs> it's basically the same thing either way it's like a bunch of songs that you wrote and you know hopefully uh hopefully you love them first off and then and oh yeah other people uh get interested in them as well um so yeah uh so you know to kind of like get into like the uh, area where we start to wrap it up, like, um, you know, I'll just go real fast through the bands that I know of that you're in, and and I'm sure that you actually mentioned some that I don't even have on my list here. But okay, so there's uh, Scorpio Death Club, and y'all are fairly active as far as I know. The You Suck Flying Circus, I hope so. Is it Desperados or just Desperado? Just Desperado. Okay. Um, Glass Biter in Shambles. Misley Spitting. Yes. Uh, I Killed Laura Palmer. And um, I did not know that All Over the Place was an inactive band. So I had them on here too. Um, They're not inactive, but um, uh, one of our members got COVID real, real bad. And uh, every time they've tried to play drums since... Like, they've almost, like, blacked out. So they're really not, like, 
Oh, they're not trying to play fast, hard music right now. And yeah, I, I get that. I don't really want to find another drummer uh, because it, it would just feel weird. So, yeah. yeah. Um, like, there, there is a plan for an LP4 and a couple of covers when we get around to it. When yeah. we all are on the same page and we want to do this band some more, then we will do it probably, yeah. hopefully. Very cool. Well, out of those projects, what... Um, what are the things that you are like currently working on that you can talk about like related to those projects or, or like, um, or, you know, whatever else that you're working on that's, that's coming up really soon. Oh yeah. Well, um, I just did a really good solo record, uh, earlier in this year under West Meadows. The, the album's called opened up and I did a little tour for it. I will continue to tour for it. And for anyone who is worried about going out to see shows, I do not blame you. I'm going to put out a live album of live solo takes of everything that is on that album and the other songs that I've been touring. Um, Scorpio Death Club is closing up shop for the season here in a couple of weeks. Uh, Scorpio season is well over, and uh, we're going to go back <laughs> into hibernation because I said someone book us another show and nobody did, but that's okay. You know, we were focused on making the EP. We did our Halloween set and had a lot of fun. Uh, we'll reconvene in like August and write another song and do another post hardcore cover. And, uh, you know, hopefully in the meantime, people will continue to be interested in it because we will continue to like be active in certain ways. Our music is the background for a wrestler, Floyd McPanther from Shack Show Wrestling. Okay. <laughs> so even if we're not playing, you will hear that song, you know, around every couple of weeks. Um, Misley Spinning just did an EP, and we really like doing it. And we like doing it so much that we're probably going to do another one fairly soon. Uh, Glass Biter, like I said, you know, is going to do something else sometime. Same with In Shambles. Um, the Use of Flying Circus is working on a bunch of different stuff. Primarily, we're working at, we're calling it a grunge record. I don't know if it's like, it's not like, we're not like reinventing Bleach or something here. But like a lot of the, it sounds like, uh, kind of like Hum, kind of like Shiner, Failure, stuff like that. A lot of drop D, heavy distortion, buried vocals kind of stuff. Because mm -hmm. um, we've, we've kind of been moving in that direction of like, you know, more like, plotting distorted shoegazy stuff a little bit of vocals in there and we're going to continue to be you know fairly dark sounding i don't think there's going to be many blast beats if any at all on this record so if you really like the last record i mean that might be a little bit different but i think uh people will still like it um i'm also in a couple of other bands uh 1098 younger and cliff sampson they're all um you know me and another couple of people that live around here 1098 is spearheaded by a guy named kb and uh he's the best songwriter on the planet uh 1098 is one word t-e-n-i-n-e-i-g-h-t go ahead and look that up if you don't listen to anything else i say on this podcast um kellen is the best songwriter of our generation and i'm honored to back him on things um cliff sampson is my best pal steve uh steve is in the use flying circus as well but um, they write so many songs that are different from the USUCs that sometimes, you know, I play drums for them and they play their guitar parts. and You know, we have a whole other band for that. And I'm also in a band called Mallows. We're a, a psychedelic pop band. I joined right before quarantine, so it hasn't really been like, look, here I am in this band very much. But we actually played with um, Keith from Empire Empire's new band and Warren Franklin of the Founding Fathers at a festival a couple of weeks ago. And then I'm also uh, a, an extra member in the pop band The Bears and the Bees and the post, uh, not post-hardcore, they're hardcore, uh, V-Trigger, wrestling-themed hardcore band. And, uh, yeah, I think that actually, I think that's it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And that was my conversation with Wes Meadows. Thank you so much, Wes, for taking the time to chat with me. 
Uh, we are going to have some end of the year list conversations coming soon. Um, I'll just drop those randomly whenever, so keep an eye out for them. And I also have several exciting new conversations that will be dropping every Monday. Um, keep an eye peeled, and um, you can follow Middleman Records on Twitter and tweet at us who you'd like to hear on the show. Until then, take care and do good things. <laughs>